everybody, and welcome into the Westwood Living Podcast Network. Now, this is a good one for me. We are with Derek Stearns from Plymouth Quarries, and I did the math on the drive over here, <laughs> and I've been uh, on the same, I don't know whether it be podcast or television segment or anything else with your brother more than a thousand times. Yeah, right. More right. than a thousand oh, yeah. times. Yeah. But this is the first time I've had the opportunity to share a stage with you. <laughs> so how are you? I'm good, Tom. How are you? I'm great. And before we get into specifically what you do and a little bit about your background here yep. at Plymouth Quarries, it should be noted that the best piece of feedback we got from our Lessons from Leader series <laughs> was from a student when I asked, hey, rattle off some of the people who left a really good impression on you. Mm. And the answer was like the beginning of a joke because <laughs> he rattles off the Plymouth Rock guy, <laughs> That's the, the web woman. The engineer and the college advisor, <laughs> dot, 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 go into a bar. I mean, it was a riot. So we started a little text string of those five people, myself included, and it was just so funny. So have you I ever think been you called said, the Plymouth Rock guy before? Yeah, no, I've never been called that. And I, I think you said in the text group that this is how I'm going to identify all of you now. <laughs> it's like a dating game. Like, these are the categories. But what was great about it is that it just showed, you never know how someone's going to be impacted by the no. interaction that they have mm -hmm. with you. So first of all, thank you for your support of the mm -hmm. Lessons from Leaders program, which gave kids an opportunity to learn more about fields that they probably knew nothing about. Well, so your yeah. table, which was really elaborately set up, mm. was a draw to many of the kids. And yep. you did a great job interacting with the kids. Walk people through what you did. Well, I think, um, well, first off, I agree with you that you, know, that you never know how kids, people are going to respond, but especially kids, I mean, you know, they, they look at the world in a completely different way than us because we're a bit tainted, right? We have a little bit of scars and burns and things, and we've got heels going on and all that. And um, these kids are raw. Um, so my whole thing with talking with high school students, and they're my favorite people to talk to, we have a relationship with the local trade schools around here. Um, my, I do a lot of tours and uh, talk with a lot of kids, but my favorite thing is to start open with a line like, what do you like to do? I want to know about you. And every time I asked that to one of the kids, they thought I was coming from the point of view of business or were you going to college or what? And I was like, no, 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 no. I want, what do you like to do? And they'd be like, oh, I like to draw. Or I said, cool. Or I play soccer. What do you play in soccer? Oh, I'm this position. I'm like, well, that position's a certain temperament, right? So that says something about you. Like find a way in. So then we can have a conversation of, well, this is what I do. You know, and I've met so many great kids that were like, I can't believe I'm talking to you about this thing that I like to do. But to me, it's like, well, that's actually the first step to figuring out what you're going to do. Right. So I loved talking to this. There was one young man. I think I was telling you and I said, what do you like to do? And he said, I like to t um, take photographs of cars. So I said, well, show, me, show me some of the photographs. And they're all these incredible Porsches. I'm like, this kid has five Porsches? Who's, where's he coming from? But he goes to dealerships and set up a relationship with dealerships saying, hey, can I photograph your cars? He's getting really good at it. And, you know, there's a business for that. Um, and then um, I'll never forget the three girls. They were always together, the three best friends, right? They were artists and loved to work with art in different ways. And we got to talk about that. And I got to talk about the art of stone colors and textures so I loved the event I'm on for anyone you've got put me in put me in put me up at plate let's go let's hit the home run 
All right. So walk people through what you do at Plymouth Quarries because yeah. it's very historical. When you think about yeah. the fact that this passion has been in your family's blood yeah. for a long time. I mean, Arthur Stearns, who we honor every year with your your family's golf tournament, and you've done mm. such great work with that. We can talk about that. But mm. it, did it start with him or was it even before your dad that yeah. this passion for stonework existed? Yeah, well, I mean, Plymouth Quarries is 108 years old. So um, my dad came in here in the 50s just as he was getting married and was a yard guy. And then on his lunch breaks, he would go down to the cutting shops. There used to be, we have, by the way, folks, we have over 60 acres here. It's a pretty massive place and over 4,000 square feet of displays. So, um, but there used to be cutting shops, which were these little wooden sheds. And guys would be cutting our full bed Weymouth granite that we quarry out of that quarry right there, Tom. Um, and our stone was always hand cut and ready for Boston College, Yale University, buildings all over the world. So on my father's lunch break, He'd go down and became friends with Chet, who was one of the older stone cutters, and he taught my dad how to cut stone. Mm. Now, each shed had a barrel for fire to keep everybody warm in the wintertime. It was all outside cutting. And that's how Butch, me, my cousin Dean, my cousin Billy, Jackie, Michael, all of us growing up mixed cement for dad. And dad went off on his own, got a $300 pickup truck from Tomasi Nurseries, paid him 25 bucks a month back till they paid it off. And um, he just started building houses, fireplaces, everything with full bed, six-inch thick stone, mm. all hand cut with chisels, carbide chisels and hammers. And so that's how we grew up, you know, in the 70s and the 80s and mixing cement and all that. So our trade, even Butchie today, my brother Butch, even though, you know, he's a sportscaster, considers himself a stonemason. I said, that's long overdue, bud. You're no longer a stonemason because you are not as good as me. But well, that's another story. Not, but he did a great job on his pizza oven, although you are a little bit critical about certain uh, points of his pizza oven. The pizza oven. oven. I don't want to eat up too much time, but he asked me about how do I do this and how do I do that, and I gave him all the advice. Tom, the next time you're at the pizza oven, look at the back. There's a four-inch shelf. I don't know why it's there. I told him. That's where you put what? your drink. <laughs> that's where you warm up stuff. What is? Thank God that's facing this, the fence. That's all I have. Have to say, um, but you know, Butch taught me a lot because he's older than me, and this is how we grew up and we learned our trade. But the industry has changed tremendously since that time. Since that time, so my job here is a manager. There's three different managers here, and my job is I manage my sales team, I educate the sales team. Um, I'm in charge of education. I teach all the classes here, and uh, in design. And I take over the website and social media and all that. It kind of all falls into the same pot for me. Um, my day is filled with making sure people are using the right products for the right job and they know how to do it. And that my sales team educates people the right way. So One of the things you touched on when we were together at Westwood High School for the event was yep. the concept of reinvention. Because I spoke about that, obviously. Yep. You know, very high profile. Yeah, get right. laid off from a broadcasting job. <laughs> you got to figure out the next thing you're going to do. And it worked out great for me where I took over at this new venture, which is fantastic. But yep. you quickly said, oh, yeah, I've reinvented myself three times. Yeah. So tell that story a little bit about how you had to reinvent yourself. Well, when I was, um, when I was growing up, I was the cement mixer. You know, I never got to cut stone. We didn't know dad cut the stone and I got to set it. But I was the cement mixer for years and years and years. So I, I know how to mix a good batch of cement, right? But I was that kid who always complained and I was always an artist. I was drawing and I was always interested in illustration and art and colors. And Butchie was always the sports guy, you know? 
And so I grew up in that kind of artistic world and I knew I was going to do something creative. So I went off and I went to art school at Mass College of Art. And that was a tough gig, you know, and trying to realize how am I going to make a living at this. So what I did is I fixed front steps between art jobs. I got into acting because I loved the expression of art and that. So between acting, I worked as an actor for about 10 years. I had pretty good communication skills, but I got a hell of a regionalism. I got to watch, you know, it's really <laughs> bad. Um, but um, I worked for a while, got married, had my kids, and I was a professional actor. But between acting jobs, I built stone walls. And then it was clear I had to walk away from that. And um, my cousin and I made a videotape, and we submitted it to every TV network we could find. And we made a tape about, it's called The Rock Solid Guys. And um, every network called us and rejected us. <laughs> At least they, they acknowledged it. <laughs> but they acknowledged it, you know. And the funny thing was, was back then, that was like early, like 2001, we used my cell phone as a, pro, a fake production company. Sorry, guys, we lied to make it. So we said, Silver Creek Productions, we made a head letter. We sent our videotape to like... Uh, A&E and HGTV and uh, PBS and all these people and you know the whole TV thing right so it's it was a lot and so we had how are they going to contact us if they contact us so we used my cell number well a regular day in the dump truck was Dean and I and our worker three of us shoved in the dump truck and we're on route 128 coming home after a big job and my phone rings and I look and it's A&E and I go Quiet, everybody. Turn the radio Shut off. the, Shut the, the engine down. Pull over. We're in a production company meeting right now. Quiet. And I, I go, hello, uh, Silver Creek Productions. You know. And they're like, yes, uh, this is A&E calling. So, yes, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, we got your tape, and you guys have something there, but we are not interested. But oh. thank you. But again, it was like they called. Next thing you know, HGTV calls and says, to be honest with you, they said, you're in your 40s. You guys are good looking, but you're not that good looking. You know, our, our group wants someone younger and all that. But um, we have a new network called DIY Network. It's right across the hallway, and you should submit to them. And I said, well, the guy's name was Cameron. I'll never forget his name, Cameron. He was a great kid, and he was new. He goes, I, I said, Cameron, can you just drop that tape over on someone's desk over there? He goes, I can't. They're our competitor, but we're in the same network. I was like, I don't understand this. So we... Uh, Got an agent and a manager. We gave my tape. We said, hey, could you drop this off? Mail this out to DIY in Knoxville, Tennessee. Do you think they might be interested in us? And the day he was supposed to do that, we got a call from DIY. And we got, what? We're like, Steve, did you send that tape out? He goes, I hadn't gotten to it yet. Cameron walked it over Cameron. and dropped it on someone's desk. And that gave me a career for 200 episodes in seven years, traveling the country doing those how-to makeover shows. Dean and I had two of the top shows on DIY and HGTV, and they just sold the rights to Australia. So there's a guy in Australia that does a trailer. You're going to like these guys, these two cousins, you know, and they're making money on us over there. So there you go. So that was great, but then it had to come to an end. And um, now I became a manager here, so this is like my third to fourth reinvention of myself. You have a wide range of different types of customers who come in here. People who are regulars, yeah. who are in the trade, who know oh, yeah. exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. And then people like me who would come in here wide-eyed saying, what the hell is my next step? So oh, yeah. how do you run that gamut dealing yeah. with the different types of customers here? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question because it is a diversified plan. You know, We have homeowners, right? So that's our retail customers. We have our contractors who are regulars. We have architects. We have landscape architects. We have designers of all different types. 
and your conversation with each one of them is a different, again, like talking to the kids, a different way in. You know, you've got to know who you're speaking with. And I think the first thing that I try to train my sales team with is, well, what are you doing? What's your project? You know, and, and what, what's your role within the project? Well, a homeowner's here just to pick out product. They don't know their square footage. They don't know the links. They don't know these things. They just want to find colors and textures and things that fit their architecture and fit their taste. But they do get overwhelmed. So my second question to everybody is, what don't you like? Oh, I, I don't like blues and I don't like grays. I'm like, let's go to the warm colors, you know, so that you find your way in that way. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a great way to do yeah, it. Yeah, you've got a kind of, what's the word, a process of elimination, mm-hmm. right? Even with designers, like you think like an architect comes in here and they'll know exactly what they want. They don't. They don't. I mean, it's not even just, uh, Tom, about, about colors and textures and sizes. It's also about thin veneer stone or full bed stone. It's about outdoor porcelains or brick or concrete pavers. Concrete pavers. Concrete pavers used to be a joke. <laughs> when we pulled up here in 1975, the first concrete paver was right outside that window where everyone pulled up in their trucks. My dad pulls up, Butchie and I are in the truck, come out and there's this pink piece of concrete looking like a brick. And my father walks over to it and he goes, what is this? He, he actually picked it up and smelled it. And he's like, this is crap. <laughs> and he thought, that's not going to go anywhere. Well, if he saw where concrete pavers have come, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Ugh. I mean, some of the concrete pavers you've seen here, they're gorgeous. But they're not for every project. So each customer's experience here is based on their personal specific needs for either fulfilling a job or building their home or personalizing a space. And the last thing I want to say on that, I'm sorry, because I love to talk. You know me. It's all good. I'm going to start interviewing you um, <laughs> because there's a story there. Um, the, um, I say to everybody in my training here, your job is to help people create memories, right? Like even an architect, an architect wants to drive by that warehouse or that building that he did with the choices he made to say to his kids or, or she to her kids or anybody saying, you know, I did that. You know, that's the memory. That's how my kids know my dad because they never met him. They know him through his work. Or if Tom, if you're coming here, like Butchie and I built pizza ovens, right? You know, after long periods of time of waiting to get the right products, if you're going to build a patio or something at your house, you're going to use that and you're going to create memories for that. And Mm -hmm. that conversation starts right now when you walk through our doors. So that to me is very important. It personalizes it. All right, I've got two more things. All right, all right. One of them is... First time I visited, which at this point was early spring 2022, so we're talking about 18, 19 months ago, had no idea the size and scope of this land. Mm. You talked about the acreage and everything else, but the full quarry that you've got in the back behind the trees, which Mm. is stunning, and the -the state-of-the-art cutting equipment that you have in this warehouse here, it's a hidden gem that's giant, but I, I would guess a lot of people just drive by, yep. drive by, have no idea everything that's here. So it's taken yeah. a lot over many years to develop, I mean, very expensive equipment. And this is yeah. a huge endeavor. So just walk people through how big this is in scope. Yeah. So if you were going to look on Google Earth, you could see our quarry. Okay. So our quarry, as I said, 108 years old, right? Um, it's close to, I would say, 30 to 40 acres wide. And close to 300 feet deep, and it's dry. You know, like, I took you out there, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, and the trucks that are down there, 
when they come up, they look like something on the set of Star Wars. They're frightening. Like, they're frightening. One truck, you have to get walk up two ladders to get into it, you know? They carry 100,000 pounds of material. So if you looked on Google Earth, you see the quarry, and then that's kind of in the middle. And then on the other side of the quarry, facing Route 3 south, I mean north, is the J.F. Price side. Because J.F. Price and Plymouth Quarries were the same company. So J.F. Price, I would say, has got to have close to 200 acres over there. And they are the, they sort, they have the sorters, they do the blasting, they do all that. They deliver dump, dump truck deliveries, a, a, a truck fleet of 40 trucks, all different sizes. They do a lot of the commercial like deliveries and people from the commercial end go over there to buy products, aggregates, stone, all that. But on the other side of the quarry, which is us, is about another 60 acres, we're more retail. Now, we have 50 bins of all the aggregates, which is like loose stone, anything ranging from a quarter-inch chip stone that's crushed all the way up to like a eight-inch, you know, crushed stone. Uh, we have all the 50 bins here with soils. Soil's a big business for us, loam, mulch. Um, and then we have them here, and so JF Price feeds us, but our bins are much smaller than their areas. And then we have, of course the beautiful showrooms, we have the buildings, we have things that so the homeowners come here. When people want something with detail and to really figure out design and all that, they come here. When people are like trying to pick up 26 ton of material or 10 ton of material, it's loose, they go over there. So yeah, that's kind of like, I think we're kind of like one-stop shopping and the fabrication shop, over $3 million worth of equipment in there that can do anything and everything you want it to do. Yeah, it's eye-opening. Jaw-dropping, really, when you walk in. I yep. totally appreciated the VIP tour when you gave it to me last <laughs> spring. The other thing we can't get out of here without talking about is your dad and mm. the legacy of your dad mm. and how you and your sister and your brother have continued to honor him every single year through your mm. golf tournament and the impact that the <clears throat> Arthur F. Stearns foundation has had on people so yeah give me your thoughts about how that has taken off and how the community has really embraced what you and your family do oh yeah thanks for asking that it's really interesting because it's it's within the last couple of years it's been 36 years since he passed i can finally talk about him or answer that question without losing it which is great it really is great because you know you never like it when italians get too emotional right um, but yeah, uh, dad was, he was an artist and he was a great, great guy. But, um, you know, the golf tournament was a way for us to do something because he loved golf to take tragedy. And I, I, you know, Tom, we all have our tragedies. Everybody has a story. Everybody does. Everybody has an experience that they've gone through. And if you haven't, you will, where you just go, how do I deal with this? So what we did was there was such a grief stricken community going through this. The Corey's actually, back in 1987, on his funeral, shut down for the day so everybody here could go. Because my dad was a customer and an employee, which was, I still have the, the newspaper clipping of that. Um, so the tournament was a great way for us to remember him. And then what happened was we did it for 36 years and we got to give the money raised in the day to two families in need so over 36 years, we've helped probably close to 70 families. And that's, you know, our little way of doing something, but it meant the world to them. 
and we met some incredible people. And then the tournament went on so long that the guys that were playing in it end up getting married, having kids. Their kids end up playing in the tournament, and then their grandchildren end up playing in the tournament. And then some of those men and women and their children went through hard times, and they became recipients. Wow. That wow. was the cool part, okay? That, to me, was the cool part. But I'm going to tell you one other thing about my dad. When we were growing up, my dad wasn't a hard man, but he worked really hard. And when I was about 16, because I'm the middle child. Are you a middle child? I'm the baby. You're I the have ba two older sisters. I was certainly coddled. Oh, life. yeah, because you're definitely spoiled. <laughs> so, um, but Butchie was the leader. I'm the middle child and my sister, right? So Butchie always knew he was going to be a sportscaster when he was 10 years old. My sister, everything she touched was a success. Me, not like that at all, Tom. I couldn't find my way if you lit a path for me. I was like so all over the place. So when I was about 16, my father says to me, um, you're the one I'm worried about. I'm like, what? He goes, you quit everything. You don't know what you want to do. You know, this is my story of being one of those kids that I met, right? Like, I know what it feels like to be 16, 17, 18, and just like, what am I going to do? What, am I, what do I like to do? I like to draw. I like art. What, what am I going to do? But you know, when I look back now at my career, wouldn't it have been great to fly dad to Vegas for a shoot for DIY Network and HGTV and go, hey, dad, I think I'm doing okay. No question about it. <laughs> you no know? question about it. Well, <laughs> listen, that's Derek Stearns from Plymouth Quarries, but affectionately now known forever as the Plymouth the Rock guy. <laughs> Not Plymouth Rock, as in the actual <laughs> place you go and visit in Plymouth, but the Plymouth Rock, Rock guy. guy. <laughs> Come and visit us. We're in Hingham. We're not in Plymouth. Come down and visit us. That's okay? great. Thank you for your supportive lessons from leaders. I love your storytelling, and we should do this again at some point because we could probably have a whole series ourselves. That, I think so. You know, who needs Butchie anymore? Now what? we just go to Derek, Who's right? Who's he? <laughs> Who's he? <laughs> Actually, imagine the three of us sitting around here. We'd talk for like two hours. Nobody would listen to the that phone. That won't happen. We could do stuff that could be very controversial just to see if people last and listen and take on take in the whole episode. <laughs> we'll bury some Easter eggs in the last five minutes. $10,000. No, I'm just kidding. All right. That's Derek Sertz. Thank you, my man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. Talk to you soon. Be good. Thank you.